Hey. Hello. How are you? Let me see. What do I need to do? Share screen? Sure. Oh, no, just start your video. There you go. Ta-da. Ta-da. Oh, we have people, so I'll talk to you later about George. Yes, you will. Um, CT is stable as of today. Yes. Yay. We have a couple minutes, but I just want to warn you, we have an action-packed podcast ahead of us today. Fun-filled. Fun-filled, content-loaded. Uh-oh. If we get through half of it, I'll be happy. Okay. I'll, I'll try and be brief. Ha-ha. <laughs> this weekend was so much fun. It was so much fun. Um, I was inspired this weekend. Oh. How do you get any more inspired than you already are? That's kind always of being around you. You're a very inspirational person. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And okay. so for folks that are just joining us, we had a practicum weekend. So the first ever FSM practical practicum weekend. So people have been taking um, our courses through um, online learning and live stream and all the ways we can get courses to people during a pandemic. And this was our first weekend where we got to have people in person to touch and feel and play and assess and feel smush or not feel smush. And what a great group it was. And diagnose and every single table had miracles, which was like the best totally. Totally. Every, you know, how usually at least... 20% of the supine lumbar practicum is mechanical, actually low back, facet, or disc. Yep. All six tables were visceral. Wow. Ovary, pancreas at one table, uterine fibroids, so non-mechanical low back pain in a f- uterus with, I don't know, four-month uterus with maybe eight fibroids three to five centimeters yeah and that's her low back pain and her OBGYN told her it couldn't possibly be her uterus the fibroids that was causing her low back pain (sighs) so you look at where the fibroids were and we ran um inflammation in the ureter the kidney the sigmoid the cecum and the small bowel wow all of her back pain went away Imagine my surprise. <laughs> you weren't surprised. And that's got to be the hardest thing, you being you, is that you can see it unfolding before your eyes and you know exactly the boxes that you need to check, but they need to get there and they need to check those boxes. And well, it's um, kind of a duh. I mean, it's non mechanical low back pain. Does bending forward make it worse or better? No. Bending backward? No. Ergo, it's, do you have any leg pain? No okay, what do you have? Well, I have all these fibroids. And then it's like, well, if I was a fibroid, what would I push on? I would push on the, if I was a fibroid fibroid here, I would push on the ureter. Yeah. Okay. What would that do to the ureter? Uh, Inflammation. Right. So you run inflammation in the ureter and the pain at L2 goes away. So it confirms you have a way of creating a hypothesis, testing a hypothesis, 
by paying attention to what's in front of you. Right. It was so much fun. I hope everybody has as much fun of at these courses that we do. I'm not sure if that's possible. It's like the podcast. We have fun. I hope everybody else listening does, but so far that's the feedback. All the feedback from the course was just fabulous. And they, the really cool thing was they had no idea that we didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) Totally made it up. Like, well, we think we're going to start out doing this, but yeah, that didn't work so much. So we'll, then we'll do this. And the schedule that was gone by noon. Yeah. And nobody minded. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of those things that, um, what we do is so great. It gives us, um, you have to be adaptable and you have to be, um, the dogs are barking right now. So I feel like I should just stop talking. I, so one of the comments on my Instagram was Kim, just bring your dog in the room. Cause the last time she was barking to get in and now she's, um, trying to get out. So no, the UPS man is downstairs. I bet we, so we have a neighbor that has a utility truck and when he backs up, both my dogs go um, bananas. Cause that beep, beep, beep. So, yeah. um, Everybody, sorry about that. It's always at four o'clock too. So um, I can tell by my watch, it's four o'clock that he's home. So I want to jump into a couple things before we go any further with the stuff that we normally kind of get into. So I was, we were talking about some of the feedback that we've been getting on the, um, like we have a jot form that we get some feedback with, with the podcast. And there was a comment that was just talking about how inspiring our gratitude and uh, Thanksgiving podcast was that it was just, and that was so nice to hear. She's like, not about the technical stuff. It was just so inspirational to hear some of the personal stuff that we were sharing. So I thought that was, um, as we're getting into this Christmas season, that was a nice gift to get that kind of comment. So thank you to the person that, that said that to us. Thank you very much. Well, so, there's, something about, there's something about love and gratitude that makes everybody feel better about everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Um, and it's just, it's good at this time of year to keep that in our, in our four brains, I think. Um, oh, shoot. One sec. I'm back. <laughs> Everything's falling apart today. All right. I have a quick, I was reading something on Facebook the other day. It was about a physical therapist that um, was talking about her practice. And she always has some really practical um, tips and tricks. And she was talking about calling patients, patients or clients. And I know in the medical community, we always um, automatically go to patient. And I thought this was really interesting. So she's a DPT, she's a doctor, and um, she refers to her people that come to her as clients. And she's like, patients can have a sickness connotating with that. I have to go to the doctor because I'm sick. Therefore I'm a patient. She's like, I call all of my people clients because they're paying me to help them with a service that we're doing together. It's a client like, and I thought that was just a really neat spin on it. That's a great idea. Isn't I've I've never thought of it like that. And, you know, I know some like massage therapists, they want to use the term patient because it seems like they're going to be better um, seen in the medical community. 
Yeah. And, and I get that, but I, I thought that was interesting. I wanted to know your take on it. Well, I totally agree. I just not, never thought about making the distinction. If you're a patient, somebody is going to do something to you that fixes you. Yeah. If you're a client, you work the, the important part about that, about that distinction is the collaboration that happens between the patient and the therapist, the yeah. provider, whatever we are. Yeah. And the, it's the collaboration. The, the other piece of it that I got the most wonderful thank you note from a patient today. And she said, the healing is not linear and the healing started on the outside, but it hap has ended up happening from the inside. It's a collaborative venture. And if I have a patient client that wants me to fix them, we just know, just know, I'll give them the first session to wanna be fixed. Yeah. And then the second session, did you do your homework? Uh, and this is a collaborative venture. And with some patients, clients, it, the healing has to happen simultaneously from the inside out and the outside in. So what happened to you when you were three sort of thing? Right. What part of yourself do you need to reparent? if you were not parented or if you lived in a difficult or abusive environment. And if all you're doing is prescribing an antibiotic or steroids or Advil, if all you're doing is adjusting joints, then it doesn't matter. But if you are, if your goal is to help the patient recover, so this particular patient on her custom care, I put um, what we call TTH, the energetic influences, and her history is a difficult injury. She ran, she just got inspired and she ran TTH twice in a row in one day. And she said, I felt joy, real joy for the first time since the event. And at that point, the physical repair that we need to do for this difficult injury, it's, almost, it's, it's not that it's irrelevant, but she's figured out that she's okay, whether it gets fixed or not. Wow. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that's, um that's huge and pivotal for like a therapist to hear, to hear that too, because I think some, some of us, we walk into our patients and our cases with the weight of the world on our shoulders. Um, you know, because sometimes like you're saying, we're like that, um, we're the last hope, you know, and with that comes some heaviness as a practitioner, like, okay, they've seen everything they've gone financially bankrupt, trying to fix this. This is all on me. And it's, um, no, like it's, no, it's not all on you. And, and there is, 
there's an advantage to having been in practice for with this kind of patient for 25, six, 26 years. Yeah. I've failed probably more times than most of you have even tried. So the concept of not being able to fix somebody doesn't bother me at all. Right. My, my goal on the first session is not to make them worse. Yeah, I, I think that's, I, if we can all walk into those first patients with that um, on a laminate. Like, just don't make them worse Yeah, and figure it out, collaborate. And the fact of the matter is with FSM, because you have a tool that lets you treat things like inflammation in the ureter that's causing pain at L2 because she has a four centimeter fibroid pushing on the ureter. The fact that you have a tool that lets you do that Huge. allows you to, I mean, you, you have, and we can treat nerve pain and discs and facets. Right. It's like, well, that's easy, that's easy. Oh yeah, do tone in your legs. We had th two 81 and 10 patients. Yeah. And one was an 81 and 10 and 40 and 10. So um, for lay people out there, I'm going to translate very briefly here. Um, 40 and 10, that's our um, inflammation in the spinal cord or reduce the activity in the spinal cord. And 81 and 10 is increasing the secretions to the cord. They're paradoxical. They're an the antithesis of each other, yet they work synergistically. How do you like that? Um, the synthesis between the two, it's... Um, I had, I run this on a patient, um, today or two days ago, and I had two machines. I'm like, I'm running, she's been to see me for quite a bit. I go, I'm going to run 40 and 10 on one machine, 81 and 10 on the other. She's like, how does that make sense? I'm like, I don't know. How does, how does that work? I don't know. Well, it's, it's working 40 and reduces body pain. It, it decreases inflammation in the spinal cord. And I need data to demonstrate this, but 81 and 10 increases descending inhibition. And the only neurotransmitter that does that is GABA. So you, you reach down and you feel somebody's legs, especially at the, the brevis, adductor brevis and the pectineus. You have to warn them, can I touch your legs? Then you do that and it's like plus seven really tight on one leg and it's a plus three or four normal on the other leg it's like that's not normal right so then you know you, now we know you have a tool where you can decrease in increase descending inhibition right right and so all of the pain in that leg that everybody thought was either joint or tendon or uh, nerve even was just being caused by those muscles being super tight, clear up to T4. Right. Okay, fine. And, and once you can do that, and it's like, well, that's easy. And that's easy. It's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Going on this track for just a second. Um, when we were at the practicum um, weekend this weekend, one of the practitioners says to me, I'm getting overwhelmed at the amount of knowledge that I don't know. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Like, well, I just, my visceral anatomy isn't, isn't good. I'm like, well, that's what you have netters for. 
And if you don't have a netters, you, you get software and there's all these tools and you don't have to feel bad about knowing where the ascending colon or descending or the cecum is at the drop of a hat, because you've never really had to go in there and figured out what was in that neighborhood maybe before. So have it open. And it's not a slight, like you're, she was worried about their patients might think that they're, they're stupid or I'm like, you're no. And the way you frame it, right? Like, I just, I want to get inspired. I just want to have this open and I just want to see what's around there and see if we're missing anything. Like, it's just. I had the most wonderful high school chemistry teacher and she, I, you know, being a normal 15 or 16 year old, the sophomore, junior, sophomore, junior. And I, I said, stood up to ask a, a question. And I said, this is a really dumb question. And she said, wait, stop. There's no reason you should know this. Oh, there aren't any dumb questions. And there's no reason you should know this. So for massage therapists and even physical therapists, do you have any reason to know that the pancreas starts over here underneath your right nipple and goes clear over to the other side? Is there any reason you should know that? No. So cut yourself some slack. And then the, uh, what was the other one? Oh, my favorite doctor ever, OBGYN, he'd been in practice 20, 30 years, quite experienced. In every single treatment room, he had, um, you know, one of those book um, lectern things, like a shelf that was mounted on the wall at an angle. And on that shelf was the PDR, back when the PDR was useful. Yeah. And every time he prescribed any medication for me, and we're talking birth control pills in the 70s, right? So they'd been out a while, he knew. So every time he opened the book, he looked it up. Did you ever have, no, mm -mm, okay. And how about your mom, did she, uh, no, okay. And, he, and I've, it was so reassuring that he was looking it up. Yeah. So when I treat a patient, a client that has, let's say something going on with their foot, they had a fracture, then they have these ongoing symptoms. And I sometimes, I know I've got netter in my head, right? But I pretend that I'm showing them. Right. Let's look at your foot because the pain doesn't make any sense to the patient. So you open up Netter to those two pages that have two plantar views of the foot or the ankle, you know, that, that foot section. Look how complicated that is. Your fracture was up here, but it bled down. Oh, I bet, see that nerve there? I wonder if that's what's stuck. And you're educating the patient. The patient now knows that you care enough to look it up, right? There's no reason you should know that unless you're a surgeon and all you do are feet, there's no reason you should know where that exact nerve goes right. and what that anatomy looks like. Look it up, show oh. it off. Educate yeah. your patients. How do you, how do you have a collaborative relationship with somebody who doesn't know what you know? Right. So you show them better. 
you keep posters on the wall and pretend it's for the patient's education, but it's really for me so I can look up and remember what the sclerotomal pain pattern is. Right. Yeah. So I think that's, that was one of the comments I had too, was I love listening to your podcast and how real you guys are. And I'm like, yeah, like we, (laughs) (laughs) do you remember the velveteen rabbit? Yes. Okay. So the velveteen rabbit, for those of you that haven't read it, it's a children's book for adults. Yeah. (laughs) And there's this rabbit that gets just but he becomes real at the very end. And he says, by the time you become real, you've been loved a lot, but all of your fur is rubbed off and your nose is missing and one of your eyes is loose. And, you know, you've been, so that, that how, how else would you be besides real? Who are you gonna pretend for? Well, this is such a great segue because I have a special surprise for you today. Uh oh. Do you like surprises? I should have asked you that when we were doing our like speed dating round. Do you like do you like getting surprised? Sure. <laughs> I think. <laughs> so, Kev- so Kevin, our um, producing podcast genius, the code word that we have today is cheeseburger. So if Kevin could help me out with this um, cheeseburger plan. I'll let you know what's happening in just a second. We have a special guest today. I'm working on. Okay. We had talked about bringing special guests on, and um, I thought today would be a great day to bring somebody special on that we have um, cared about and talked about. So Mr. Andre Benoit is joining us today all the way from Canada. Andre, we'll get you to start your camera and unmute yourself when you so feel inclined and join our, our day today. And I thought that, hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And you, I'm good. It's good to see you. Yeah. Hold on here. My computer for some reason started to do. (laughs) I thought when you talked about being real, um, Andre Benoit is about the most real human, um, in the best sort of way, zero ego. Is left off right off his head. We just left <laughs> So Andre, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself and all your fancy credentials and explain who you are. And I'm going to take it from, from your intro. Just a humble man who's a husband to this wonderful, wonderful wife, Susan Benoit, and I have three kids and that's all I am. Just a and- guy. You're more than just a guy. Come on. Professionally, what do you, what do you, what's your role right now? I am, uh, well, my profession is a strength and conditioning coach. Um, and uh, so I've been in the industry on one level or the other for the last 33 years. My mentor was Charles Poliquin. I think everybody knows this. And then uh, he was my main uh, other mentor, but he was definitely by far the main <clears throat> biggest influence I've ever had in strength. Uh, that's why I'm being, um, that's why I'm a strength coach because of him which I sometimes thanking and cursing for it, but, um, the, uh, so I know, so I'm myself, I'm a past Olympian. So I did, uh, two Olympics in 1988, 1992, when most of your people listening were probably not born or just one or two years old. Not true. <laughs> and then, um, I, uh, so I trained basically, I trained the wrong way from 84 to 88 with different coaches. And it's not because they were mean and they were, didn't know what they were. Well, 
they didn't know what they were doing. They just knew what they knew and we did what we did. And then Charles came in in 88. And uh, at the time I hurt my back doing squats with a belt the wrong way, everything. And then I had chronic pain shoulder. And then I told Charles, well, they want to operate my shoulder. They want to shorten my ligaments because they're too long, too lax. And then they want to fuse my L4, L5. And then in his, I can't swear on this thing, but in his usual verbal thing, it, ah, that's not going to happen. And so anyway, so he says, we're going to make tree trunks out of your erector spinae and we're going to solve your shoulders. And sure enough, in one month, my shoulder was fine. Like zero pain, no nothing. And then... Um, Two, I would say about eight, nine weeks later, my back was 90% better. So I, have a spon I had a spondylolisthesis level four. And uh, that's why they want to operate on me. Because when I was young, if you do luge as a sport, you do stupid shit, stupid stuff, sorry, when you're young, when you're younger. And uh, while I was doing this stupid stuff, I wrote my, the two, uh, two Travis process and uh, spinal process. So, uh, and I pushed my vertebrae forward really acutely and uh so anyway so yeah so since then you know with all the base and strength and everything that charles gave me i still does i don't have any serious back pain or any uncommon pain like whatever if i don't you know i need to do my squats not necessarily with weights but i need to squats or split squats and then my back is fine and uh and my spondylolisthesis actually and that was not a willing we didn't aim for that but my spondylolisthesis came back to a level whatever 0.5 i guess and but i was not aimed to do this that this happened because i don't know maybe because of the 20 years i trained with charles and everything so um so that and then um what else did i do i trained i was a strength coach for some teams and national teams uh, amateur sport hockey that's how i met your husband <laughs> dominic and um uh, and actually i take full credit for you to be together. That's hundred percent because of me. It is true. I'm not even exaggerating. And then, uh, but with Dominic, actually I was thinking about that. And with when I was with Dominic, Nolan, Eric, and Jesse, and that was probably the best years of strength coach in my life. Like seriously, that was the best group ever <laughs> and hard worker and everything. And then um, uh, I've coached well, NHL team, amateur uh, CFL, NFL with the help of Charles, well, me helping Charles, sorry. <laughs> and then the uh, last two years I was with the Cansofcom, which was which is the Canadian Special Forces. And that was fantastic. I had a two-year contract with them, and that was uh really the epitome of other job in the past, not because they were too easy, but I did not really have to uh use everything I knew, but with the special forces, and some because they have they don't train necessarily differently, but you have to apply everything you know differently. And there's different reason for the injuries they have, and there's different um, um, reason why they can't get rid of it. And um, yeah, so it was really interesting. That was really uh, fantastic. So, and now I'm back at teaching. So I'm giving. So I, and my contract is done. So now I'm back teaching. Right now I'm aiming at once a month having a course. So I did uh, my first online course three weeks ago on mastering program design this last past weekend i did one in person with uh, hypertrophy academy and then i also took two years of osteopathy yes. which, brings me to, which brings me to this uh definition of patient and client that is since with everything i've done from just training people which were always client 
yeah. to working on people that I thought were patient. I think it's, it's more of a spectrum. It's like power and speed. The more energy you need to create speed, the less you have for power. And the more energy or strength you need to develop power, the less you have for speed. Okay. Uh, now I know there's people will say, well, you know, if you do an Olympic lifting, you need both. Yeah, you need both, but different time. The point is, as a for me, patient and clients, I think, well, first of all, if you're going to be in the health system, you have to be very patient. That's why they call you patient. <laughs> for you to talk to and everything. But uh, besides that, like uh, jokes aside, I think when it is a, um, a situation where the client cannot do much, he's more toward the patient end of the spectrum. Okay. So for example, the ultimate one would be an operation. So if they have an operation, they open you up and they operate on you. Well, you can't do much, you can lay down. Well, first of all, you're knocked out and you lay down, so that's a patient. But for me as a strength coach, when we go in the gym, they do the work. I'm not doing the work. I do the work of, you know, the evaluation, the testing and so on. So when they do the work and they, they have to do it to be better, which to some extent as strength coach or personal trainer, we can address some issues, physical issues, tightness and weakness and so on. Well, then they are client because they're really, so then from you guys, from an FSM point of view, you, I think you're a bit more toward the patient, but they're also client because they have, like um, Carolyn was saying earlier, they have to do homework. Yeah. And like any good person, like, you know, when you go home, you don't do your homework unless you, you know, you do when it and you the, understand and you see the, the benefit of it. So when we did that's my the two FSM, cents on that. When we did the FSM course in Calgary yeah. with you and your wife, and yeah. how old is your third child? Oh, she's four. She was not there yet. You're so third. I only had the, yeah, I only had the, yeah, only had the, the Ashton You're the reason she is there, if you remember that. Um, yeah. that and anyway, so four years ago, we were there. So has FSM, so Kim is, a, you, you create a stable state by doing the kind of strength training and conditioning and balancing. Has mm -hmm. FSM changed or helped you do what you do differently like relieving adhesions between the nerves and the muscles or increasing secretions in the nerves or the cord or the cerebellum do you use it that way with what you do not enough like i will admit that um hmm. so as a strength coach i think just from from a habit i did use it but it was when i was doing my soft tissue work not after a training session or stuff like that. So I would use it. So let's say I did the, I know a little bit of ART. So uh, I'm not certified as ART and I do this stuff from what I've learned from, I'm just you know, disclaiming here, <laughs> disclaimer, I'm doing stuff from osteopathy. But uh, then I would do some manual and then use the FSM, yes. But as far as just pure um, strain gain and so on, I would always, for me, my philosophy is let's see I always believe in you change one thing at a time. So let's see what strength training does. Once we have what we have with strength training, then we do the next one, next one. So I did the FSM, uh, but not enough. And the last, the funny thing with this, in the last two years when I was with the special forces, I tried to bring it in with the physiotherapist because they're really segmented there. And they could see your strength coach and I'm a physio and then they do this and he's, a, and then, so it's really tick, tick, tick. 
I got in trouble a few times putting my hands on the guys. But um, again, I had success. But I, so for me, I said to them, I said, hey, do you know about FSM? Yeah. And right away, I'm like, oh. So it's not that they don't believe in it. It's just that they, they're really sunk in their ways, which is, and don't get me wrong. They are really, really good physiotherapists. They're open to a whole bunch of different things. But when it came to that, uh, it was like, because I did contact uh, Kim at one point, hey, would you be interested? You no, know, because I was trying to open the door, but that door got slammed in my face pretty quick because I think they would need it because in the military, no matter where you are, the normal uh, special forces, sadly enough, in the majority of the guys, they're not on the health scare, they're on the broken scale, just below the health scare scale. And they, they're, they're all broken, but how, you know how broken they are, then we fix them to barely make it. And so for me, I, like if there's a, a place where they would need FSM and a whole bunch of different method of recovery, it's there. And I don't know if in the States you have any contact, Carolyn, or uh, no, but he, here it's very, uh, if you just take concussions, so they're really, really um, very, very aggressive with treating concussion and so on. And it's quite obvious with the job they have. Um, and I was saying, well, you know, there's some, uh, they didn't get that joke, but I got it. But I said, there's a frequency for that. And then uh, they, uh, they, but they were saying, well, you know, I'm like, oh, so they're really, but for me, I'm thinking, you know, even if you, if it helps 1%, it's 1% more. Like, why not do it? Especially with these guys. Right. And we've been and saying that, right? Helping one patient at a time, right? And that's, yeah. um, and I think the biggest skeptics out there become the biggest advocates for FSM. That was me. I spent, yeah. I, I spent 18 months trying to prove it wrong. Every patient, I was like, this isn't happening. This mush isn't real. This didn't recover this way. Um, but you know, we're, you, Carol, you've been talking a lot about, um, last, uh, last podcast we had, we talked about if 46 was actually sarcomere. Now I've been doing, I've been collaborating Andre. you'll find this interesting, some cases on, um, acute recovery. So what acute hypertrophy is, and I believe that 46 on B channel is sarcolemma. So when you have somebody that has that acute pump after exercising and you can get that and you can measure it and then you run 40 and 46 and it goes down right away, like that's data. So everybody out there, when we think like, I don't have enough to do a study, every time you chart, you're doing, you're collecting data. So um, I don't know where I was. No, that's how we will get to the PTs. So yeah. the training center, yeah. the clinic and training center, the, the way that we will edge our way into the physical therapy world, besides the six or eight wonderful physical therapists that came to the course, we do it one practitioner at a time. So we, we have to publish papers. Mm. So the research coordinator and I met um, this last Sunday night and talked about the format for um, for the research center and there are papers and directions and platforms out there for how to um, how to create a case report and that's that's how we get to the PTs it's all evidence-based 
But the thing I love about what Kim does and what Andre could be doing, um, maybe we'll send Kim up to Canada to visit, um, is combining the two because to get a muscle to contract appropriately, to get it to strengthen, the cerebellum will not let you contract a muscle fully. It will inhibit a muscle that is adhered to a nerve or a vital structure. So when we worked with this Olympic swimmer and his quadratus lumborum, his QLs wouldn't contract. They were weak. And it turned out that he had a bleed and he had a fall on his back and had adhesions between his kidney and the QLs. So we treated adhesions in the kidney and the kidney fat pad. And now all of a sudden, his QLs went from minus four to a plus five, it, like in 30, 45 minutes. Yeah, it was. And, you, you know, and I'll kind of disagree with what you were saying that you treat one thing at a time. I think with FSM, we blur those lines considerably because when you're able to break down scar tissue so quickly, especially in an unstable joint, like the hip or the shoulder, um, you have to increase the strength right away. Otherwise you're going to get increased pain because you've created a new joint essentially. And like you were saying, the cerebellum is not going to allow you to move, especially when something's been adhered and restricted for 10 years. So, um, I don't know. I just think it's all, it's all. So I love having these, um, respectful, I respectfully disagree with your, with your statements, but Andre and I go way back to respectfully disagreeing on many things. So. No, but the thing, I don't know. Did you say I, I, you disagree with my statement that you do one thing at a time or. Yeah. Didn't uh, well, sorry, I agree correct me if I'm one wrong. thing at a time, but I don't treat one thing at a time, but I okay. do one method. So I want to see what strength training does to fix whatever there is to be fixed. Okay. I told you, but I agree with uh, Carolyn in a sense that I now more than ever, I do believe that all the adhesions and the, the, the scar tissue and everything, they do, I, that, I've known that for a while, but now I'm more convinced it's true that they do affect your strength and your, your um, you know, uh, training response to anything and your progress and so on. So, and, and it is like, to be very honest, like I, it is something that I did not push because I, I was busy with a lot of things, but it would be for me, that would be something that I should maybe, you know, get the, my FSM machines out more and then do, but yeah. And do it more often with the, because I, if you just do ART, for example, which is a quick release uh, and it's not always, if, it's like anything else. If you have somebody who's really, really good, you get really, really good results. Um, but you do have an immediate response in flexibility, strength, and because there is an inhibition pattern that happens because of that problem. And uh, if you know if FSM, well, not if, well, if you know the the proper um, um, well um, frequency for that, then you can. I'm sure you would improve. And, and we know we know we've seen it in recovery. For me, I saw it a lot more. And that's because of my narrow-minded uh, perspective, maybe. But I saw a, a lot more on how to benefit for recovery. 
recover faster, then train better and get better results. But I never really thought about it until Carolyn just said it now. I uh, said, so, well, you know, what if we can't, you know, for sure, if we can't do it with FSM, especially with FSM, they just do nothing. It's not painful like ART at all. So it's less traumatic. And they, they, they would definitely, I truly believe they would get quicker results in training, whether you're a high-performance athlete or um, everyday person that you just need to be able to walk your dog or play with your kids or you no know, better with no pain. I think well, that's definitely think, something. But did you say, Carolyn, you have studies on that or you will make some? We have, no, we're going to be doing more studies. Mm. We're going to be doing more studies. But the, the most important thing about FSM is that it makes what you do, even if what you're doing is ART, it makes ART less painful. ART no, no. is painful because fascia is adhered to a nerve. So as you do the release, you're tearing the fascia away from oh, yeah. the nerve and that's why it hurts. Well, it shouldn't hurt. No. I, I don't know if you were there in 2003 when we did the first sports seminar with, um, uh, with Charles and Mark Lindsay and Keith Pine mm -hmm. were working on each other and they went up to Mark Lindsay and smacked him on the side of the head because he was reefing on Keith's subscapularis without using FSM. So in just the five years since we did the course in, in Calgary, it has changed so much that it's, I think, much easier to learn how to combine it to make what you already know how to do more effective. And that's what the sports course is all about, right? It's how to use FSM with all those manual treatments, whether it's pin and stretch or ART or whatever you want to call it. And then there's that whole recovery section of, yeah, you don't need to have somebody and you talk about this too, you know, for an acute injury, you don't have to have them on your table, like put them in that recliner with your custom care, send them home with the custom care. So for your athletes, you know, they come and they see you, you do your manual work, you send them home with the custom care, they buy their own. So they're recovering. And then there's the whole performance enhancement stuff. So, um, I just have to, you know, I have to think so you're saying that let's try strength training first. Um, again, it goes back to kind of our philosophy. Like, are you going to be able to get a muscle to contract fully with quality if there's an adhesion in the antagonist or somewhere in the capsule or somewhere in the nerve that has to be released first? Right. So I think, in my opinion, anyways, FSM has really morphed my way in thinking into more of a global what do you call it? Synergistic sort of way of thinking, because you have to treat the strength, you have to treat the um, scarring and you have to treat it all like together. And when you're able to wrap your brain around the fact that releasing a scarred nerve or fascia or ureter even can get a QL to fire, you're just like, wait, what? Like I didn't even do an exercise and I got muscle um, quality, um, to contract faster, better, smoother. Um, so that's been, that's been interesting for my brain anyways. The first place I ever saw it was an accident. The patient came in with, she was a ultra marathon runner. She made her living doing marathons, running 50 to hundred miles. And she had hamstring injuries because her glutes were weak. 
and she'd had one hamstring injury. She recovered from that. She had another hamstring injury. Her strength coach, her running coach, and her chiropractor brought her to the course. And I went to work on, they, they demonstrated that her right hamstring was weak or white glute was weak. And the weak glute was why the hamstring was injured. So they'd been working a year to strengthen the glute and it, it didn't work. Her glute, she was still plus three. So I rolled her over on the back and I looked at her adductors and the adductors were super painful, quite tender. And I asked her, when did you have your groin pull? Oh, about two years ago. And when did your hamstring injury start? About a year and a half ago. So you ask yourself, was the glute weak or was it inhibited because of the adhesions between the femoral plexus and the quadriceps and adductors? All I did was treat scarring in the nerve and mobilize gently the adductors on the right and 40 minutes later rolled her over on her stomach and her glutes were plus five. So the glute was never weak. It was inhibited by the cerebellum to protect the femoral plexus. And they'd been strengthening it for a year. So that's where I see it being able to combine the, the experience and the knowledge and the expertise that you have, Andre, with a more integrated way of looking at it. There's no reason you would use just strength training or just ART or just FSM. In a perfect world, you use all three of them to yeah. make all of them more effective yeah oh, i and i totally agree like like uh since like when i took my osteopathy course like it was uh great because that is, is a prover proverbial uh proverb of opening a door and having like 50 more 50 doors on one side and then also you look at <laughs> oh i have 175 on the other side and then you go what the heck and then they got uh, then and then i understood why through strength training and proper um, screening and so on, you can solve a lot of problem. And then the same problem with somebody else can do nothing. Nothing like nothing happens. You go, what the heck? But then it's because exactly that. And and even now I'm at, you know I'm fairly old. I'm 59 and I'm I'm uh, and I know that I don't know everything. I know and that's thing that's probably my biggest strength. And I'm I try to be as humble as possible because you meet people. And I think Charles. Well, you kind of made sure of that that <laughs> he always says, you know, fucking you know, sorry. He goes, you know, not you know, you don't know. And every time I thought I would, I was when I was going away from him and coming back after six months, I said, okay, now I caught up. I caught up for sure. I caught up. And then I would get there. I'm like, oh my god, like, he's another light year again. Like, is is this discouraging? So, but that really taught me. And it's not that it made me feel like I knew nothing. It just made me feel going, oh, I have so much to learn. I have so much to learn. But I never was discouraged on learning. I was never, I can't, it never affected me that way. I know some people might say, well, then it's not, forget it. I'm, 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 I'm going to go to pump gas, gas in the pumps, you know, gas station it's and be happy. There's more to learn. That's what makes this so fun. There's always yeah. more to learn. Yeah. And, and then, then Charles yeah. enjoyed me and FSM because. I'm not sure because I never knew him and I didn't know 
how famous he was. Yeah. So to me, he's just Charles. And I think I'm probably one of the few people on the planet that would argue with him. And or that he thought yeah. knew something he didn't because he saw the cytokine research. Yeah. He, yeah, he, yeah, and he, but he also for him so it worked on him. Huh? It worked for him is because it worked on him. That was yeah, the, that was yeah. the first test. If it didn't work, you know. Yeah. I think that's to jump in. That's a great way of getting the um, the people that are sitting in the back of the class with their arms crossed, or the doctors like, I'm like, can I? can I just treat you actually? Why don't you come to my clinic and just try it out? And then they get stoned and then their pain goes away and they're like, okay, I'm not exactly sure how you just did this, but it's undeniable that it works, you know? Um, and like we kind of say in the core, like the mechanism of action follows later. Right. So it's, it, it works or it doesn't and it's, and it's safe. And, um, that's the exciting yeah. part of it. And there's yeah, not, a, there's not an exact science. There's not a formula. There's so much room for. Well, there's um, the, it's always, I always, when I teach in class, I always say, you know, I'll teach you the science of it, but you have to develop the art because I cannot give you my art because my art is based on everything I've lived, gone through and everything. And your art is going to be your art. It's like, there's no two painting alike. And it's the same thing. Isn't that nice? It's kind of like our language, right? Perfect. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. Is that you, and I, I believe this in every single profession whether you're a lawyer an architect a, a an engineer a, a manager in a in a big box store whatever it is is that the people that are good they can marry the science and the art because they mm. can oh you know what that the book says this but i feel this this let's let's go there because right now this is from all the signs i see even though the book says there, let's go there because I think it's energy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is energy. Yeah. Yeah. And then now that now it's going to bother me because I'm going to go look for my uh, client care because I know I have it somewhere because I gave it to one of the soldiers, but I hope he doesn't have it still. But anyway, but now that thing you just said, Carolyn, is that's going to bother me, not bother me in a bad way, but going to go, okay, I, I really have to get more into this uh, synergy of saying, okay, so he has, Instead of just using ART or act or I shouldn't say soft tissue, soft tissue technique to uh, I shouldn't say ART, soft tissue technique to release adhesions. Maybe I should do that plus FSM and plus. So you, you you go ahead and come to the sports course in Phoenix in February, and I'll show you how to do all that in two days. So fun. Well, we'll see what's going on with that stupid the Omicron thing because in Canada <laughs> now they're talking about shutting down flights and everything again. So you take it live stream if you can't come. I can. Okay, sure. Yeah. No. We have um, there yeah. you go. Well, Andre, we have a lot more questions and content to cover, but I wanted to thank you for being our first guest coming on here. Carol's been talking so much about Charles lately, and I have this yeah. whole list of guests that I had, and I reached out to you months ago about coming on, and I was trying to stagger it, but I figured um, Andre was such a bridge between you and me and your Charles stories and the athletes that you worked on together, so I thought it'd be very special. Well, and Andre and I go way much. back. So thank you very much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm touching. I'm so happy to see you, Caroline. It's been forever and you look fantastic. You know, when you say you're old, would you say 59? 59. Yeah. I'm older. I said I'm older. older. <laughs> I'm 75, dude. It's like, yeah, but you, you just... look 57. <laughs> do you have a, do you have a frequency for that? <laughs> I do. 
FSM anti-aging, it works. <laughs> yeah. No, you look <laughs> fantastic. Thank you so much. It's yeah. been an and interesting. Kim, you also look fantastic. Don't worry. You look great. <laughs> always, always, always. Thank you, sir. Thank you for coming and sharing your, um, yeah. your thoughts with us. So, um, say hi to the family for me. I will. Take care. Bye. I'll just mute. Can I stay and just mute? You stay and listen all you want. <laughs> Yay. So that was my, one of my surprises and I'll a surprise, you know, I, so I don't like being surprised. I love being the surpriser. I'm not a very good surprise E so. It can go either way. It kind of depends <laughs> what the surprise is and how much of a plan I had, but since you drive the bus and I just, you know, stick with my head <laughs> as we go by, I'm good. I'm good with that. So I say that, you know, we do these things on the fly, but I actually do have templates every week that I kind of research and try to throw together. So I thought Andre was available. It'd be great to hear from um, somebody who is like an athlete um, at that level and who works with a whole bunch of different demographics and um, how to deal with all sorts of different people. So we have so many questions. So I want to get to a couple of them and see where that goes to. Now, this one didn't come to us as a podcast question. It came to me directly, but I figured if one person has the question, somebody else has the question. So I thought it would be good to talk about. So the person writes, we have to be cautious with 13 after surgery or a new injury because we don't want to undo scar tissue. So yes, that is correct. But what about 91, 51, 3, or the 58s? Wouldn't they have the same effect? What I found out the hard way was that six weeks for any of them, except for 91, 91 following surgery or a brand new injury, 91 you can use at about week four. So inflammation leads to chronic inflammation leads to hardening and this was especially obvious working on Tara Owens and some of the other in new injury athletes but on Tara especially at week three because we started FSM so soon after the fracture at week three we could start using 91 to soften up the tissue so there wouldn't be so much remodeling to do and then at week four, I used, we used 51 briefly. I wouldn't use the 58s and I didn't use 13 until we got to Florida for the Super Bowl. Because in that particular case, we had, if I took out too much scar tissue, I had no time to put it back because the timelines were. He, he played exactly six weeks after a, that inner, basically blew apart his lower leg. Yeah. And then they pinned it back together and said, we'll see. And exactly six weeks. So we had no time. Right. When you're working on standard clients that, you know, golf on the weekend and want to be able to go for a walk and unload the dishwasher. If, and they've had a car accident and you make a mistake like I did and you treat them with the 58s or 13 at week four, I'm here to tell you having made that mistake several times, you're never going to get away with it. You can try it, but I wouldn't recommend it. 
that six week we put in felt pen on the outside of the paper chart when the accident was so that we wouldn't make a mistake. Now that I'm looking at opening the clinic in January, I have electronic medical records. I don't know how to put felt pen date of injury on the outside of an EMR. We'll find out. But yeah, no, you'll never get away with it. So to go one step further, and I'll give this example for this patient, because um, so that's very clear in my mind, like when we use it, when we don't, let's just say you had been treating a patient for scarring in their, I don't know, musculoskeletal system somewhere. Let's just say low back scarring you were doing or shoulder and they went and had a tonsillectomy now different injury, but you know, you don't want to be treating scarring in the shoulder when this is fresh, correct? Or the, or the ankle. So we had a practitioner with an ankle sprain that was maybe two, three weeks along, was recovering nicely, no pain. And she was at a practicum. She worked on a patient's shoulder and used the 58s back then and 13. And at the end of a 40 minute, 45 minute session, her ankle was worse. She un because she had both of her hands on the patient. So right. she got the frequencies and she got up from the treatment table and said, My ankle's worse. So it put her healing back a week or so. Right. It it is absolute. There's you're a semiconductor. If you have um had a tonsillectomy or knee surgery or whatever there's no place that frequency isn't it's everywhere so right. no just right. be brave yeah Do something else you can always make somebody feel better with concussion now when they have a brand new injury you have to remember not to run concussion in vegas because you want the immune system active to do its healing thing. Yes. So you can run concussion, you can run inflammation, chronic inflammation, and depending on the timing, but it really is that six week thing, acute, subacute, and chronic. That's those that's are why we have those parameters. Yeah. So when do you when do you throw on um, concussion in Vegas in after um What's that timeline? Six weeks ish? Six weeks. Un unless, let's say, when I fractured my shoulder, the fracture didn't heal. There was cloud in the fracture at six weeks, but it wasn't healed for three and a half months because there were, what, six fractures, a dislocation, eight, a plate, and eight screws holding my shoulder together. So I would not have run concussion in Vegas until the fracture was healed on x-ray right for most injuries it's six to eight weeks right yeah yeah um another um comment that i wanted to it seems like every two podcasts we have to bring up don't be afraid of 40 um what is that i don't know it's like a, a bad rumor that doesn't just is it just keeps circulating it's so, so go okay so I have a pay at a patient this week and we were programming her custom care and, you know, we were talking, she's very bright. She asked a lot of really good questions. She's got some medical training 
And she was asking about contraindications and side effects. And she's like, I love it because I just feel so safe with it, but there's gotta be a a complication or a contraindication. There's gotta be something. And I said, well, there is, there's, there's with anything. And I talked to her about 40 and how we kind of teach it in the course and dental infections had been the only time in the time I've been practicing with it, that anything's ever popped up. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa but that's a good thing. You didn't create a side effect. And so the, yeah, this is fantastic. This was a patient. And I thought it was such a great way that, w- that she had framed it. And she's like, you didn't create something that wasn't already there. That was already there. Like, and hidden. Exactly. Hidden. So you want to, hello. Don't <laughs> I just switched from Dr. Carol to Dr. Mom. You don't. Okay. You want to use 40 because the problem is infection that masquerades as inflammation and the infection is a cult it's hidden it creates vagal dysfunction and immune system upregulation it creates all sorts of problems and the practitioner and the medical community thinks Oh, you have periodontitis. It's an itis. It's inflammatory. It does not come from space. So you run 40 and the patient gets worse. There are common sense. No, we don't say that. We say reasonable expectation. Okay, right. Reasonable expectations. There are rules about when to do this. You don't treat a patient with undiagnosed jaw pain with 40 at five o'clock on Friday night over the long weekend. You just don't do that. You say, we're going to work on something else today. And let me work on your jaw next week at your 10 o'clock appointment on Tuesday. Yes. And then you treat the jaw you do the TMJ, you treat torn and broken on the ligaments and you treat inflammation. And if it's infected, she'll be at her dentist by three o'clock that afternoon and you will have saved her life. 40 yeah. is diagnostic. I get yes. excited. It's like, okay, you talk No, I get excited <laughs> too. I have nothing to really talk about. I just wanted to like give you the bait on that one because I'm not on Facebook that much, but when I do jump on the practitioner thing, cause I like to just see if we're not getting a ton of questions, I like to see what the questions are out there that helps us as educators figure out where we're failing in teaching. Um, but 40 is the one that I always keep seeing like, oh, I'm going to take that out. I'm not going to run that. I'm going to go in the mode bank and remove it all. And I'm telling you, like, if you want to go back to our very first podcast, when I said, if you only had five frequencies, what would it be? You and I, number one, it's 40. That's um, 40 and 15. right. So and it's 80. not, and I know it's so hard to, pick, it's so hard to pick those top five, but like that patient of mine says, like you did not give them an infection, just 40 does not give them an infection. Yeah. It brings it out. It's the same thing as 13. If you're going to go down that road, then you would never want to break up scar tissue because so many times, especially in movable joints, like the hip or the shoulder, the splinting, the scarring, the guarding 
can be caused from ligature laxity. It happens in the cervical spine too. So if we wouldn't have 13 to take out the scarring and the pain generator goes up because it was splinting to protect the joint. So again, you didn't create ligature laxity. You didn't create that partial thickness tear. It's been there. And that's why God invented 124. And there's an antidote. It's not like you just, you know, and, you know, create all this havoc and then like, say, sorry about that. Leave you've got remedies. So in the case of the infection, no, you're not going to be tinkering around with frequency. You're sending them to get antibiotics You're sending them to get a 3d comb beam to verify that there is an infection. Yes. And then with the shoulder, you've what's that? Flexion extension films in the cervical spine, APOM side bending. Exactly. Oh, that patient. Yes. The one at the, who's the practitioner that's a patient, but she had that horrible neck pain after that horrible accident. Yes. And they told her she had CRPS in the neck, which it's like, okay, but 124 and the ligaments, when you looked at the mechanism of injury, it had to be that. Yeah. And that's, the pain went away for the first time in years. That's amazing. It's just like, okay. No. And again, it, it goes back to, we can't get so caught up on old diagnosis, right? So I think you had mentioned that this weekend. And again, you, I've been listening to your core and your speeches for years and years, but I still hear something new um, when you speak and, you know, you do, you have to, I, I'm not going to say it as eloquently as you did, but something about when the patient walks in, you have to just table the labels that they come in with. Right. And just be like, okay, I hear you say you have CRPS or frozen shoulder. That's my, um, trigger. Um, but you have to have the, um, what's the word you have to have the motivation to dig and to explore and to be your own detective and come up with your own diagnosis. Right. And I had a mentor that was a, was, he's passed away. He's a neurologist and Dr. Grimm, Bob Grimm, I, he didn't mean to teach me, but he allowed me to come in and watch as he treated my patients. And this was after me reading his, 10 page reports on the patients that we co-treated or the patients I sent to him. And I asked him one time, do you review the records? He said, absolutely not. You start fresh every time. So I did a lot of forensic work, which means that you end up in court and you end up testifying in court. And this, I'm gonna word the use, use the word snotty, lawyer, on the opposing side said, did you review the records? I said, absolutely not. And he sort of got taller. Like, ha, I got you. (laughs) Yeah, I got you. And he said, why didn't you? And it's like, well, this patient has been injured and in pain for two years. The other four people were correct in their diagnosis. She wouldn't be in my office. So I do my own exam, take my own history, and treat the patient 
if they improve, then I'm probably right. And then I'll go back and read the reports, the other records. And usually it's pretty obvious what they missed. So of course I don't review the records. And when the patient wants to give me a list of the six diagnoses they say they have, I just stop them. It's like, nope, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to go back. And I want, so they bring in a chronologic list of everything they have that has happened that they can remember. Right. I had this surgery and then I lived in this moldy house and then I had, a, and then you ask them, did you ever have a root canal? Oh yeah, I've got six of them. Okay, fine. So that's, that, yeah, it, yep. Start, start at the beginning. Yeah. And, and your beginning and feel free to refer out and collaborate and work with other practitioners. Cause again, I'm going to circle back to kind of our beginning. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know it all. Like there is. Oh, and so I have a patient with so exciting traumatic brain injury, a history of like 15 head injuries in, I don't know. 14 years, minor ones, and then five, four or five major ones in 13 months. Okay. Five years ago, six, five, six years ago. And I mean, you, I could run the concussion protocol till I was blue. I'd treat the cortex, I'd treat the midbrain, I'd treat executive function and judgment, I'd do all that. And, he, and I send him to Dr. Reski, so he's got prism glasses, with baby steps, but never got functional. He's still basically on disability. Dr. Clearfield, who's lecturing at the advance this year, yes. sent him to Dr. Clearfield, did the blood work, got him on the supplements and the prescriptions to turn around his endocrine system that's been injured by the traumatic brain injuries he's got executive function and judgment wow. he's got dimensional spatial thinking he's he's recovering for the first time in six years and how long until he started noticing a, a difference a benefit for three weeks four weeks wow initially Compliance was difficult because it's like nothing can help me. I just, he was so depressed. And then just, I sent his mom to get, you know, one of those packets. And I, so he has morning, noon, evening, and bedtime pills, seven days. She packs the little packets, puts it up for him, and he learned to take them. It's like by week three, he was asking his mom to preload the packets so that he would take them wow and it's like it's miraculous and i've he's had fsm used on him his mom is one of my patients right. he's had fsm used on him since the first injury right i mean the most the one of the five yeah but it was the ad it was the stable state right take care of the vestibular injury and who knew that clearfield and and we already did whatever they already did whatever David Musnick said. So he was on supplements, didn't get it. Yeah. That just wasn't it. It was yeah. the endocrine system. Wow. 
So, and what Andre does is, and what you do is create the stable state for musculoskeletal. I will never in my life be able to say musculoskeletal. It hurts. <laughs> I live in so, Canada for a while. Stable state stuff, right? Again, we're going to say the word synthesis. It's all these little pieces that work together and you're not expected to have all those skill sets, but you have to have the awareness that you are not a one-stop shop, that patients need um, collaboration. Well, and it's why I teach the core the way I teach it. We are one of many tools. Yeah. And there's, I think the intimidating thing when I was, I don't know, 35 or well, 25 to 35 in there someplace, I had parents of my friends who had done so much in their life how do you do that many things and mary said uh you live to be 67 then you have more time to do things so <laughs> practitioners starting out to feel overwhelmed incompetent why don't i know that well there's no reason you should know that this is your learning opportunity right that's that's what the FSM core and the sports class and the advanced is the learning opportunity. Yeah, it's like so exciting. So exciting. Um, oh, good. There was I thought there was a question because I'm like we are out of time, but it was just appreciate and thanks for sharing. Well, thank you, thank you for the comment. Um, that went way faster than any other one. So special thanks to Andre Brenois for joining us today. And um, we will keep tabling all the questions that we're getting in. So keep them coming in on, uh, I think it's frequencyspecific.com forward slash webinar, I believe, or podcast. That's where you can find the job form to ask questions. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, wherever you can. Keep those questions coming. Um, yeah. yeah. And it was so great to see everybody today. And we'll see you again. We have two more podcasts before Christmas. So that's a little scary. Wait, wait, wait. There's only two more Wednesdays until Christmas. Yeah. I'm doomed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to make sure we have no more questions coming in. Great. No, that's all good. So wonderful. We're good for today. So we'll see everybody next week on Wednesday. See you next Wednesday. Bye. The Frequency Specific Microcurrent Podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of doctor-patient relationship, and unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations. No person should act or refrain from acting on the basis of the content provided in any podcast without first seeking appropriate medical advice and counseling. No information provided in any podcast should be used as a substitute for personalized medical advice and counseling. FSS expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on or any contents of this podcast.